Today's very special Romeo Langford edition of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by the Dave Chang Show, a new podcast here on the Ringer Podcast Network, Tate Frazier. Uh, Dave Chang, celebrity chef. Is he, the, the, the term celebrity chef, does this mean he's a chef to the celebrities or he is a chef who is a celebrity or both or neither? That's always the confusion. In this case, he's a chef who is a celebrity, I believe. I think it's all the That would above. be the designation. Yes. But but I'm sure he also cooks for celebrities as well. Yeah. Celebrity chef Dave <laughs> Chang, uh, talking about food, talking about the art of food, talking about putting food in your mouth. Uh one of the one of the most I don't I don't need to explain who Dave Chang is. People who subscribe to Ringer Podcast know Dave Chang. Go check out his show. Uh also check out the ringer.com. Check out NBA Desktop with Jason Concepcion, our buddy, our good friend, who goes on there and just uh Dare I say, Tate, Jason Concepcion doing Jason Concepcion things yes. on NBA Desktop? Mm-hmm. Would that be would that be the As best expected. way to describe that show? Yes, that'd be the best way to describe it. We we were supposed to listen, I'm not I'm I'm not holding grudges or anything like that. We were supposed to go on desktop when I was out in LA. It didn't happen. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm certainly not. I'm just saying um the invitation was on the table, and sometimes that's enough for me. So I appreciate that. And uh I'm a big fan of the NBA desktop. So Check that out. Check out all the great content we have on The Ringer. This is a fun time in the the, the pop culture, the sports world. A lot of stuff going on. If, if things are happening in the world, it is getting covered on TheRinger.com. And if things are happening in the basketball world, Tate, they are getting covered on One Shining Podcast, where today we are going to talk about Indiana basketball being back. It's happening. Romeo Langford is bringing the Hoosiers back. Dust off your... Every IU fan that had a, had a t-shirt when... In, in 2013 that said we're back and then put them in storage and they've been sitting there for a little while. Or maybe burn Bust it those like things they did back with the LeBron jerseys, you know? Maybe they just burnt those, un, got rid of those forever. Un, unburn those shirts, get them back out. <laughs> Romeo Langford is here. We're going to talk about Romeo Langford. We're going to talk about how Condoleezza Rice saved college basketball. We're going to talk about how I am about to be named the head coach at Chicago State and Tate is going to be my bag dropper slash associate head coach slash whatever else. Um... And just whatever else comes up, NBA playoffs, all that kind of stuff. So we will get to all of that. But first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. Romeo Langford to Indiana. It's happening. It's done. The the suspense is over, Tate. I, as you know, do never do not pay attention to recruiting. I never have. Um, I had to be. I, I found this out just right before we started recording that Romeo Langford had committed to Indiana. I had to look up who he was. Um, I had no idea what this story was, but man, sounds like an interesting story. Sounds like a good ball player that the, that the Hoosiers got here, Tate. Not only a good ball player, this is a man that was compared to not only Abraham Lincoln yesterday, but he was also compared and said that he was this generation's Oscar Robertson. Um, these are two two names that you know are obviously <laughs> renowned across all circles of the world. Whether you're a, a political fan, a basketball fan, Romeo Lankford is there, and in the words of Archie Miller. My bounty is as boundless as the sea, and the bag has been dropped. The bag has been secured. Congratulations. It's Miller time. Congratulations to you, Mark Titus. Thank you. Thank you. As I was I was being facetious. I, uh, I, I, I have found as this Romeo Langford thing has gone on, and really as our stick in the bag dropping world and all of that has progressed, and, and the FBI stuff and all that, I found that I keep saying all I that, don't pay attention to yes. recruiting and all of that <laughs> that comes with, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I keep saying I don't pay attention to recruiting, but I think I'm in. I think like 
I have I have submerged myself into the water. I I swear to God, I was very very close to being one of those Indiana fans that showed up at New Albany High School like three <laughs> hours before this announcement was made. Um, I saw like people making fun of those people, and I was like, "Yeah, man, can you imagine being being that lame to do that?" And I'm like, uh, "I'm looking at my calendar, and in my calendar, <laughs> I have it programmed." Go to Romeo's announcement question mark. <laughs> like I was very close to being one of those people. So I'm like having these conversations, like, yeah, man, what losers. Can you imagine doing that? Um, but I say that to say that uh I I this was my first foray into like really caring about a recruit. Uh I never tweeted at him. I'll say that. Like I'm I I, I think I have I'm I'm classy with it. I was never tweeting at Romeo Langford, but I just got kind of sucked into this. My parents still live in Indiana. They still live in Indianapolis. My dad was a high school athletic director in Indiana for a thousand years. So he's like always been super plugged into the Indiana high school basketball scene. And just like all the stories my dad would tell me about Romeo the last really like two or three years since it was obvious that he was like that good. It's been hyped up in the state. Like this sounds like hyperbole, but I really feel like this might be the, the, the most hoopla surrounding a recruit that I can ever remember. I mean, like Damon Bailey was obviously the the standard who uh, Romeo Langford, Damon Bailey, for those who don't know, um, is the all-time leading scorer in Indiana bas- high school basketball history, played in front of like 40,000 people in the state championship game his senior year uh, in, in, the, in the Hoosier Dome, downtown Indy. Um, and he was like a big deal, but he also had committed to Indiana already, like in eighth grade, he committed to Bob Knight. So there was hoopla around him, but there wasn't like the unknown. But, with Romeo Langford, it was like, we don't know where he's going. So as time progressed, Romeo kept drawing out his decision. And apparently from everything I heard, like people in Indiana were just foaming at the mouth. Every time I went back, people wanted to talk to me like, what are you hearing about Romeo? And I would just be like, man, I'm hearing he's going to IU just to make him happy, even though I didn't know shit. Uh, and this kind of like took a life of its own. So that's how Tate, we end up at a point where this Romeo Langford announcement, which everybody knew he was going to Indiana. As soon as he opened it up to the public, and, and and all of that, and and you start like listening to the language that was being used about how like he re- appreciates Indiana basketball. He was named Indiana Mister Basketball on Sunday. As soon as all of that was happening, you know you knew he was going to Indiana. But we still got like the hour and a half long ceremony <laughs> where every single person that's ever shook hands with Romeo Langford got to speak for ten minutes and talk about Oscar Robertson and Abraham Lincoln and all that kind of stuff. But uh, b- big moment for the state, big moment for the state of Indiana. I'll say that not just the, not just the Hoosiers basketball program, but the state of Indiana needed this. Yeah. The state of Indiana definitely needed this, but I think that it also beckons the fact that obvious decision ever, or this is going to be the biggest troll job of all time. If he would have, if he would have picked anything but Indiana, um, I say that though, like if he would have picked Duke Tate, I, I think, I, I think, I think Duke or Arizona, I think I actually would have liked more than Indiana. If he would have just come out, like he's Duke's not even recruiting him in Arizona. He's never even talked to Arizona coaches or anything, you know? And he's like, I've been giving him a lot of thought. And I feel like, or, or Pitt, Pitt would have been funny too. <laughs> yeah, hey, I Pitt think Pitt, Pitt would have been number one if he said that he just fell in love with Coach Capel over the past week. Just, uh, yeah. he, he'd been talking to him and he just decided he wanted to play in Pitt. It was a tough city. It fit his personality. He just wanted to be in Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I thought it was crazy how, you know, I had been joking with you this entire time that he's going to go to Vanderbilt because they have, uh, you know, another five-star guy. S- Simi Shitu was going there. Darius Garland's another five-star guy that's going there. And, like, Bryce Drew has been just on a tear, basically. He got the first two McDonald's All-Americans for Vanderbilt. So I'm thinking to myself, 
this is the time for Vandy to really shove it to the world. You know, this is the first time they could ever be the bad guy if he were to commit to Vanderbilt in front of all these mm-hmm. Indiana people. They would have gone crazy. They would have driven down to Tennessee and Nashville and just, like, started rioting. Um, but, it, you know, that didn't happen, obviously. Uh, I thought it was good for Indiana. Now there may be a blue blood. Are they a blue blood again? Can we say that? Or red oh, blood? Oh, that's, that's the question everyone's asking. <laughs> Define blue blood. What does blue blood mean? What are we What are we talking about? Is you count a blue blood? Do they count? What I about- always tell people that a blue blood is someone with over 15 Final Fours. <laughs> And and that's that's usually that really okay. not, that knocks some people out of the way, you know, pretty pretty easily. Uh, there you go. When that happens, I think that I think that counts Ohio State then. Ohio State's a blue blood. <laughs> there you go. Nice. See? I like you don't that. have to be blue um, to be a blue blood. That's the problem. So the reason the reason the Romeo Langford thing is big uh, beyond just like getting a good player because like Indiana, you, you look at the roster next year. Romeo and Jawan Morgan, um, they're going to be a great one-two punch. They're going to have I, I I haven't paid enough attention to what else is going, Dante going Green, on around. Dante the, Green is back. Devontae Green, yeah, uh, he's back. Um, all these guys, they're going to have a good team. I don't think they're necessarily, like, it's not like Indiana's going to win a national title. I think even going to, like, let's be honest, they're going to the Sweet 16 and losing Tate. This is, as is tradition in Indiana. I think for me, though, the reason the reason I cared about this, the reason uh, I think this this matters moving forward and all that kind of stuff is because the the problem with Crean beyond wh- whatever else you want to say about him uh, was was he stopped recruiting Indiana or he stopped getting Indiana guys like Crean had a national view and that's fine I don't think you necessarily if you're the head coach at Indiana you have to go after just exclusively Indiana guys but if you're gonna go national with your recruiting approach you it has to work like you have to then have you have to then be a Kentucky and Duke and Kansas and Crean never got to that level so. Uh, the the problem that I had and like certainly like all the old heads at Indiana like my dad and all his you know the 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 guys who still have conflicted feelings about Knight and just don't won't just come out and be like yeah I guess he was kind of an asshole like those guys that like have to stop and think about it uh, was that Crean like like you stop getting the Indiana Indiana guys like James Blackman was like a- after the the Yogi Ferrell Cody Zeller team the twenty thirteen like wave yes. of guys mm-hmm. when yeah, they were yeah. back the last after time that, they were like, back j- the last time they were back yeah. <laughs> After that, after that group, like James Blackman was the only just marquee player out of Indiana that went to Indiana. That was it. That was like the one guy. And listen, Crean was doing a good, like he was still doing fine with the recruiting. But like I said, if, if, if he was winning, I don't think people really care, but if you're going to lose, you have to lose with the Indiana guys. And that's like, it's one of the few places where that, that shit matters. And it seems just absolutely absurd, but that's why I like, I made a big deal about it. When Archie got hired, he, he was smart enough when Archie's press conference, introductory press conference, he goes up there and he's like, we're going to recruit Indiana guys first and foremost. And then we're going to go after the rest of the guys that are out there. And that's why it's a big deal. Cause you look at this class they have coming in. They now have like three, four or five star guys from the state of Indiana. Um, and it's just one of those places that matters, and it's exciting because, again, people get confused whenever because they know I played at Ohio State. They're like, "Why do you care about Indiana so much?" Because I care about like just this idea of basketball in Indiana mattering and being important and all that shit. And these sorts of things have to happen for that to, to come to fruition. If, if Romeo Langford went to Purdue, I would I would not be as excited, but it would still be pretty cool. Um, I just want to see these guys stay in state, so. That's why it's a big deal. Anyway. I do think it, is, it definitely is a big deal, and it's definitely a big talking point. The thing that has really shocked me and what I've seen, like the the fallout from this, before I get to that, I have a, I have a larger question I want to ask you, but I want to say before the Romeo announcement happened, I got a crypt, we got a cryptic message sent to the One Shining Pod Twitter account, and it said, my uncle is a booster for IU. The bag has been dropped for Romeo Langford to IU. 
And I don't know if he's Dr. Seuss. I love that it rhymed. I love mm. that it happened, and then it, it just came to fruition right at the right time. So I thought that was pretty cool. So congratulations to that uncle. He did a good job to make it happen. But people have forgotten about Eric Gordon, and that's what I want to ask you about. Because Eric Gordon mm-hmm. it was the number one player in the 2007 class over O.J. Mayo, over Michael Beasley, over Kevin Love, over Derrick Rose, over Kyle Singler, over Patrick Patterson. Wait, wait, what? Yes. Yes. When he committed— He got the— uh... He was the number one player. He got the because uh, the Samson. Hold on, that's the that's the speech into heat bump, man. I played AAU with with Eric. That's what it was. He he got the bump. Like, listen, Eric Gordon was was unbelievable. Especially, I mean, he he's, he's doing well at the right. Actually, I think right this second, he's not. He hasn't been playing particularly well. But he's a he was he's a carved out a nice NBA career. Yeah. But uh, in high school, that dude was unbelievable. He was like, might have been one of the, he, he, there were times on our AAU team where he was like the best player. Like people would ask, you know, we got Greg Oden, Mike Conley. Josh McRoberts, but we would give the ball to Eric Gordon. And he but was anyway, younger. Go ahead. Yeah. No, but I just wanted yeah, to yeah. say, like, I, I saw all these people from Indiana saying this is the coronation. You know, it, it seemed like Indiana, and I'm, I'm sort of speaking in generalities here, but they were having a little bit of an identity crisis as to who they were going to be. They bring Archie in. Archie's trying to get this identity back for, like, the old school Indiana basketball, staying in state, trying to get these public school kids. But everyone's sort of forgotten what, you know, when Eric Gordon committed, that was such a, I, I don't know, that was the first time where I was like, oh, shit, Indiana's back. You know, like after right. the 2002 run, it was like, here's this team. And then obviously they lost. But you were saying, I mean, it's fine if you lose, if you have the Indiana guys. It's easier to swallow that pill if it is Eric right. Gordon that's losing. And I don't know. I, I just find it weird that like now that we're in 2018, we, we, we somehow forget things that happened 10 years ago. Like Eric Gordon was not that long well, ago. He's still playing in the NBA. Eric it Gordon, still was an amazing announcement he got, when he committed. Yeah, him and DJ White, they had a really good team. And then Samson, the whole Samson thing got submarine. And then uh, one of the assistant coaches on that staff took over as the interim coach the rest of the year. I forget what his name was. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I can't really remember. I can't put a name on who was there either, Titus. But I, yeah, I, but they, I, yeah, it was it, it was sad to set. It was sad to see it in the way that it did with Eric. Yeah, they had they had a good team. And then Samson. By the way, the Kelvin Samson thing. In retrospect, if you go back and look at like what he actually did in the current climate of college basketball, not, not that really bad. that big of a deal. <laughs> not that bad. Not that bad. <laughs> he was sitting like, like you're allowed to send ten texts. He was sending like twenty. You yeah. know? And yeah. Was, and it's like, this guy's got to get fired. How dare he? <laughs> now, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, Indiana basketball. This is this is exciting. It's exciting for Indiana. It's exciting. You know, like I, I think I think you got to temper expectations though. Indiana is is certainly not back. I I'll, I will joke about it all all season on the pod. I will make, um, those sorts. Of, I will I will get ahead of myself. So I know I'm going to be a hypocrite here, but. In my mind, like Indiana, it, it, it's 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 not. You can't say they're back or or this is a a moment in time where like things have changed and we're going back to the the five banners and all that kind of shit. I think you need like two Final Fours in like a five year span, right? Like, yep. I think that's the standard. Uh, certainly, winning a rec- uh, getting one recruit isn't isn't good enough. Um, but even I, I don't necessarily think Indiana has to like go to a Final Four this year. I don't think it. it the, you know, I I don't think like it's all or nothing now that Romeo Lankford's here or anything like that. Uh, but I, I think this is the right step. I think this is the the movement. And 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 to get to that point, though, I, I, I'm saying this as a cautionary tale to Indiana fans. If IU wins the Big Ten this year, don't don't start going nuts yet. Like, be excited, be happy, all that kind of stuff. But Indiana basketball will be back when they have reached the point where, like, the brand is, 
it is something to be feared. Like we're even if Indiana's like a seven seed, people still think like, well, it's Indiana. You never know. They're kind of dangerous. Kind of like how Kentucky is now. Like nobody wants to play Kentucky in the NCAA tournament, no matter what their their seeding is, you know? Um, so I think that's the standard. Like they gotta go to, you gotta go to multiple final fours. You gotta like make that a regular occurrence where like every single year you're a threat to win the Big Ten, all of that kind of stuff. But in order to do that, first you have to get a good player state. And they've got a very good player in Romeo Langford. Uh, I'm excited about him. He's actually like super talented, by the way. Not just like high on recruiting rankings. Like I've actually watched him play, and he, he's he's a guy to get excited about. He's not like a raw prospect or anything like that. He's like, give me the ball, I will score a lot for us. This will be fun to watch. I promise you. So um, I'm pumped. It'll and, be fun. And you talk about like you know a lot of people. I, I see some of these old basketball players. Like I, I saw like God, God Sham God was doing this like little like live video this week, and I was watching. Which you know that's a problem in my own free time. But he was talking about all the kids that play public school four years. How much he appreciates them when they get to the next level. Like he was he's been working with Dennis Smith Jr. And so he was like guys that come up like that that play four years of public school. They just have a different tenacity and toughness than some of these other guys that, you know, have gone through this AAU, you know, you're you're specializing certain skills, you're working out, you're not necessarily going through the rigor of a normal school uh, season. You go to one of those basketball factories. Yeah, exactly. Like a high school season of basketball is, I mean, just the personal and people skills that you have to build to be at a high school, to be, you know, the big man on camp, all all that little stuff. I mean, I know it's little and stupid to, to point out these little, you know, things and, and make them the difference makers or whatever. But I do like Romeo Langford going to public school in Indiana. I think that's been a good thing. And the way he handled yeah. himself to be an 18-year-old on that big stage, having a minister coming out and calling you Abraham Lincoln for someone to say you're this generation's <laughs> Oscar Robertson. I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on an 18-year-old. I mean, that that's the thing we say about LeBron, how how great he's handled all that pressure over the years. I mean, yeah. Romeo, Romeo was getting a, a LeBron-like treatment, you know. I mean, Zion is getting LeBron-like treatment. And to, for them to handle as an 18-year-old is really tough. I'll say this for those who just like tuned in to the Romeo story uh, as he was making his announcement. Um, it did come across as like a little self-important. Of uh, course, the whole the whole the whole yes. thing. Uh, I could I could understand if you haven't been paying attention why this guy. Why if if you just now watch that you'd be like God what a douche get over yourself all of that sort of stuff. Uh, but again Tate like this is a man who has been like everywhere he goes in Indiana he he is he's a he's legend mobbed. and then some. He's mobbed. He's he's signing autographs. Like he's actually everything I've heard about him. He's like one of the nicest kids. There. Like he'll sit there after every game and sign every autograph and take every picture that anybody wants. Um, all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, three three years, the last three years of your life, you've been you've been told that you're the greatest thing ever. I mean, of course. And, and then and then on top of that, like the community, this New Albany, Indiana community. When are they ever going to have a moment like this again? Where. Mm-hmm the entire college basketball world is focused on them. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they, they kind of blew it out and, and had and yeah, you, the and preacher made, up there and the dad, his dad up there, like, make some noise if you think he should. <laughs> his dad became Flavor Flav in like five minutes. He was just like getting the crowd hyped up. Uh, I did, I did uh, think it was, uh, I just thought it was cool too, just like for Archie to have that moment because when Archie Miller came there, I mean, you talk about the pressure that he's walking into coming in after Crean, a guy who tried to make them a national powerhouse like a Kentucky and, and Archie's trying to go back to the roots a little bit and to get this signing, I don't know. I feel like that buys him three years of everyone loving him, honestly. Oh yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, he'll. I mean, it, I guess that sort of depends on how this season goes. Uh, you know, like if they they got to get at least like a five or a four seed in the tournament this year, or people will lose their shit. 
But otherwise, and I, yeah, it's exciting. I, I don't know. And I will say this for Romeo Langford, just as far as like the the outlook and the PR of the people that that watch college basketball, the normal fan. When you see someone stay at home for whatever reason, we have a soft spot for those guys. You know, when Contavious Caldwell oh, yeah. Pope went to Georgia, everyone was like, "I like this kid a lot." Now, when Zion Zion could have gone to Clemson or South Carolina, people probably would have looked at him more favorably. It's just one of those weird things, dude. That is that is something I will always. I don't know. I, I get so excited for that. Any kid that I, th- I think that adds to it. Why I'm so excited about the Romeo thing is like any kid that just like stays at his local high school and and goes to the local college and is you know just like buys into everything going on around him and his community and all that kind of stuff. It's exciting. It doesn't matter if it's Indiana or yeah Georgia or, or anywhere else. Like anytime that kind of, that that's that to me that's like one of the old school thing viewpoints I have towards college basketball. Where like I. I, I wish more guys did that uh, because that's kind of what college basketball has its roots and what makes it so fun is like those are our guys. They understand what our school is about and our community is about and they're out there playing for us and all that sort of stuff. So um, I don't know. Stories like that I get excited about. We'll so, see. I'm excited for Romeo. We we Now now go win ball games, please. <laughs> yeah, please go win. Uh, speaking of old school outlooks on college basketball, let's talk about Condoleezza Rice. Um, <laughs> ooh. She saved college basketball. <laughs> yes, the the mission of the Rice Reform, uh, the college commission, they, they all got together in a room. Grant Hill was there. The Admiral David Robinson was there. Uh, those are too many Duke people in a room to make an actual change, I think. Uh, the plan was to revitalize the college model. Uh, it's an 112-year-old model. Did you know that? 112 years old? I think it's time. Wait, what? Put it to pasture. Yeah, the NCAA model is 112 years old. Yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> antiquated, I would say. Yeah, I'd say it's time to maybe take a real look at this. Uh, so Condoleezza Rice is in, chore, is, is in charge of the reform. Meanwhile, she's like also giving tips on how to deal with North Korea at the same time. I don't think we have anyone in the world that can do these two jobs at once. Uh, congratulations to her on that. Um, basically, the whole how point— did she, can, we start, <laughs> can we stop right there? How did she become the—I the don't know enough about everything? it to say— yeah, I don't know enough about it to say that like I disagree with her position of power in these places. So I'm not I'm not criticizing it. It's just a, a genuine curiosity. How did she become like the the college football playoff committee person and now like the let's fix the corruption in college basketball person? And let's let's, let's face it. She's what happened the, there? She's the Bono of committees. They just they just put her on committees. They want her to be in charge. She wants to make changes in the world. That's all she cares about. I mean, Condoleezza Rice was the first female to be a, a member of the Masters. I'm pretty sure. You know, like she's been everywhere. Uh, of Augusta National? Yeah, of Augusta National. Oh my! God. Wait, what? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Is that, she's, is it, she's what, what if that's her? What if that's like that's her motivation in life? Is she just like she's got a printout of like all these things that minority women have never ever done, and she's like, I'm just going to be the first at all of them. She's just like going through and just like I got to check all of these boxes. When I when I die, I just want it to be like Condoleezza Rice was the first minority woman to ever, and it's just like a long list of of everything, and she has like no. No specific goal in mind. It's just like I just want to throw a broad net and make sure I'm the I'm the person that everybody remembers when they think of all this stuff. What if, what if she hates Serena Williams because it was her goal to win five Wimbledon's? <laughs> yeah, <she wanted. laughs> uh, okay, her, so ba- back to what? <laughs> that's how, how, how she fixed college basketball. Tate. Huh? What'd you say? 
I said, how did she fix college basketball? Though? Uh, back she to, did, back she, to that. She decided uh, that, uh, well, one thing, <laughs> let's talk about all the changes. So <laughs> there, there's a lot of brave talk. That, that's what I loved about this. There was a lot of brave talk. That, that was the way it was covered. There's, there's brave talk and there's changes that want to be made on this. So uh, some of the changes that we'll throw out there, outsourcing and strengthening enforcement, right? So basically the NCAA mm-hmm. is not going to be the ones that do the enforcing. They're going to hire hired guns to come in and do that for them. That sounds like that'll work out. Uh, liberalizing high school and college athletes resort to certified agents. Um, you know, so they have a chance to talk to agents. Retention of eligibility by players who aren't drafted. And NCAA-administered summer basketball events where coaches can scout players without self-serving apparel companies holding sway. So basically, now the NCAA, you- the NCAA is taking over uh, summer, summer basketball camps, it sounds like, based on this, uh, this approach. Well- were those your words, or did you copy and paste that from somewhere? No, I'm reading this from the report. I was gonna say, my God, like, it, can, can we get that in English? Like that, that reads like a <laughs> no. That's that's why I'm that reading. Reads, it, that's why I'm reading it from the report because it literally it's just it's just red tape and words. It's basically oh, like it, we, it we don't want to change anything. <laughs> it reads like a high school sophomore right click thesaurus synonyms, <laughs> sprinkle those in there, make it. Um. Because, yeah, that's the point, is they're trying to muddy it up and, like, make it sound important, and we're going to fix all this stuff. And nothing's changed. For me, the the commission thing, the the Condoleezza, all this stuff that's going on with the, here's how we're going to fix everything, it it begins and ends with, can players make money off their own likenesses? And if the answer is no, then literally every other word you have coming out of your mouth is, is worthless, and I don't care, and it's, you know... It doesn't actually matter because they have this idealized version of what college sports can be. And this has been the problem with the NCAA for basically since TV contracts exploded and all of a sudden coaches are making $10 million a year. Uh, They they have a problem of they they don't really like know their identity. The the NCAA, are are they a business or are they like taking on the role of like a nonprofit who's just trying to offer opportunities to student athletes to get an education and also play sports on the side? (laughs) <laughs> Which one is it? And they are pretty obviously a business. Like every decision they make is a business hinges decision. on like yes, yeah. Can we make more money? And and but then they pretend like th- then their 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 PR system says we are here for the student athletes and to provide opportunities and scholarships and this and that. And until they solve that, until the, the, it's 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 like a worthless conversation. And what? and that's the problem is that they keep they keep trying to fit the square peg in a round hole. And until you start like. Which for me, I, I've I've made this point a thousand times, Tate. But like, in, in, until you get to the point where the NCAA, like like TV contracts aren't driving anything, you start playing, you start playing these games, uh, you, you, not on t- the TV doesn't dictate. Like you don't have you don't have games tipping off like late at night because if it works out for the TV schedule a little bit better, you don't um you don't squish the student. Like some schools don't have big student sections because they want to sell more corporate suites and all that bullshit. Like. When you get rid of that, then now we can talk about your old school, like amateurism, all that kind of stuff. But you, they won't get rid of that because they're in it to make money. And if you're in it to make money, then we're always going to want the players to get their cut. And that's that's an inevitable thing. So and, I don't and, know. And the answer hasn't changed. So I think we keep asking these these questions like, how do we fix the college model? That That's the easiest thing to do, which is to keep asking this the same question. And the problem with this whole reform or the whole answer that they gave was basically that College basketball's problems, I mean, it, they they want the centerpiece of it all to be the degree, the college degree. 
and where, what mm-hmm. they value that as. That has not changed in any single, every single time you have this conversation, the answer always comes back to the degree is the centerpiece of intercollegiate co- athletics every single time. That's what they're going to tell you. That is what you want, the college degree. But the problem is that 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 strips away the fact that the highest play, paid at public employees in 39 states happen to be football or basketball coaches. You know, right? I mean, right. I mean, there there are 100 major college coaches that make at least two million annually. Like, you, if, you, if, you if can't you, have it both ways. If you're saying the academics is more important, then the NCAA should step in and say no, no coach can make more money than a professor at the at the university. You know, something like and, and and hearing me say those words out loud, like everyone's rolling your eyes, and you're like, that's the corniest shit I've ever heard. And I, the, the point is, of course it is, but that's like the kind of shit that the NCAA tries to put forward is that like we're we're not in this for money we're in this for these opportunities and to enrich the lives of these young men and women who are pursuing academic excellence and also athletic and th- they throw all that bullshit out there and that's fine like I I, I again I've said this I say this a million times like I I buy into the old school stuff like I'm a sucker for that I think I think the college model is awesome I think this idea that amateur like these guys go out there they do play for the love of the game all that hokey shit that the old school college fans, I buy into that as well. I think that's sweet, but I also, I'm not, I don't have my head in the sand. I understand how that this is a billion dollar industry. Um, and the players like, and, and, and to, that's why to me, like the players, they have to get a cut. That's the only solution. The, the only other solution is for the, the, the powers that be in the NCAA to get, basically give back their piece of the pie and be like, well, we, we won't take much. And that's that's just not feasible. That's never going to happen. No one's going to say, I, w- I will take less money. And so the w- only other solution is the players to get some. And there was the talk of you know providing the like the the student athletes basically they, they were talking about putting a trust fund so as licensing licensing and, and your name and your image and your likeness and sort of that stuff if it's being used say Under Armour reaches out to you know someone in Maryland and, and says let's, let's say he goes to Kevin Herter Werder whatever his name is and says yeah you're coming back to Maryland next year we want to do some sort of commercial with you with your jersey and your likeness and a commercial for Under Armour he would get whatever he would get paid for that deal put it in a trust fund and get it when he graduates, so there's an incentive to graduate. But they didn't even put that in the report. That, that was like something that they they said that they tossed out as yeah. an idea, but they didn't even put that in because that would affect what actually is happening right now. The, I think the thing about the NCAA and, and, and what we're in this situation right now is they're just trying to tread water, you know? They're trying to extend Absolutely. this thing out as long as they possibly can and drip it, drip it, drip it dry. It's like a towel, and they're going to keep trying to dry it out. It's like tally almost, you know? Just keep trying to dry this thing out <laughs> as, as far as they possibly can, and then eventually they're going to be like, oh, wow, the money's not here anymore. Okay, now now let's figure something out. You know, until the money leaves, we're, we're not going to, you know, see any sort of actual feasible impact on anything. And one of the other things they talked about that they didn't put in there was a five-year postseason ban, which I think, I mean, if someone got that, I mean, that's SMU level. I mean, you're done. And TV blackouts. But who was going to go talk to these, you know, Fox or ESPN or Hulu or Yahoo or whoever and say, hey, uh, Connecticut can't play because they're blacked out for uh, this recruiting violation. They were texting so-and-so this many times. Nobody's doing yeah. that. That's not going to happen. That, that, yeah. that, like this is all this is all in a vacuum of, and it's not in a vacuum of reality of college basketball. Exactly. It's it's all like an idealized version of what I mean. What that, that's be. basically what the the commission was like. Hey, shoe companies, knock it off. Like, we mean it. <laughs> and hey, hey, you dirty coaches, you better stop it, or, or there's going to be trouble, Buster. We really mean it. Buster like, Brown. That, that was that was yeah. essentially the. There's always going to be an underbelly. I mean, this is certainly not a, you know, this isn't a unique opinion that I have. I'm not, I'm not enlightening anybody with this commentary, but 
there's always going to be the underbelly of college basketball because there's always going to, like, as long as the market is there, it is going to get serviced, whether it's above the table or under the table. So I think that's that's what the outcry of, like, people want the players to get paid because they're going to get paid anyway. Like, th- these things are going to, as long as, as long as college sports are demanding a billion dollars, have become a billion dollar industry, there's going to be a demand for the players. There's going to be money going to the players to get them there. And, and and all this shady shit that's going on, it's going to happen. It's just how it, like you, you can't, it's like prohibition didn't work, you know? Like you can't, people are going to drink alcohol. People are going to pay players. This is all going to happen. So why don't we figure out a system where we can do this above the table? And and that's why, for me, the, the whole thing, like the commission, I didn't actually watch the the press conference or whatever it was, um, but I saw people like reacting in real time on Twitter. And uh, as soon as I don't see, as soon as like I see a summary and no one's like, yeah, they, they, they're they they're open to paying players in some capacity, then th- the conversation's done because they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Like I said, they're trying to live, they're trying to say, this is the old school model. We're sticking to this, but we're also going to make a billion dollars in revenue this year. And you can't have it both ways. They're trying to have it both ways. They are, they're trying as hard as they can to hold on to both ends of that spectrum. And it's, they're each just like moving further and further apart and their arms are ripping out of their sockets as they're trying to hold it all together. And eventually, I don't know, it's all going to gonna collapse tape. Do or do not, do or do not, there is no try. And they're, they're doing a lot of trying. They're trying to act like they're, they're trying to make this stuff happen. And at the I, end of the day, nothing is changing. I want to hammer this point home too. Professional, like I do, I do not want players to be salaried. That would no, be an absolute disaster that's not, for that's college not, sports. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying to make it a professional sports league because why I, do why do we like college yeah. basketball? Because it is about some sort of affinity and some sort of pride that comes with playing the sport for the school that you attend. That's what we care about. But there has to be some sort of understanding that this much revenue is being made and it is coming from these people. You have to pay the people that are helping bring in this revenue or at least ha- let them have right. a seat at the table. Let them discuss what the best method is. And I, I just don't understand why we keep – it's just running around in circles every five or six years. We get to these points where it bowls over and then we have these conversations and then everything goes back to the way it was. So the one the one big complaint I've, I've seen from people is like if you – open up the if you let like players make money off their likenesses and do a car dealership commercial at at your local come on down to to Jim Brown Ford here in Tuscaloosa Alabama Michael's got a deal for you hey <laughs> yeah yeah like if you do that then all of a sudden it's not going to be uh like those sorts of deals aren't going to are they're they're going to be overpaid like basically you get like a five star recruit and you pay him like a million dollars for one year to do like one commercial and it's gonna be it's just gonna be astronomical and and that's how it's all gonna play out. Uh, I I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I've seen like people kind of have that sort of fear of then then how will the smaller schools compete? All that kind of stuff. One, I don't think the smaller schools they don't really compete right now as it is. I mean, it, but the best players are still going to the programs with the most money already. Uh, but two, there is there is a cap on this. It's not like it's not like Romeo Langford, if he could take money that Indiana would would or or a Duke, for example, or like any any of the the the, the high the high rolling schools. It's not like they're going to swing in and be like, here's fifty million dollars, Romeo, for one year. Like there is a cap. At a certain point, every booster is going to be like, eh, that's that's probably too much money. I don't want I don't want to give them that much. Let's mm-hmm. not get ridiculous here. So like the market will adjust for itself and it'll all figure itself out and it'll be fine. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe I'm attacking a straw man there, but I feel like I've seen people kind of have that hesitation of, 
then the floodgates will open and and Kentucky fans will just throw money at every top recruit and they'll get everybody. And it's like that's kind of true to a certain extent, but one, they're already getting all the top recruits. <laughs> yeah, two, exactly. And two, there is going to be a market cap. I mean, like Kentucky, if you're if you're like the richest Kentucky booster, you're not going to pay thirty million dollars to each of the seven recruits you have coming in. Could you be like, okay, I love Kentucky, but not that much. That's mm-hmm. just fucking absurd. I'm not doing that. Um, so it'll it'll all play. It's, it'll all work itself out. I don't know. That's Chappelle money, and I should and I want to say this too. I, I think one of the biggest problems is uh, even when we did this commission, it, it felt like Condoleezza Rice was talking to some entity like you know like the internet is an entity it's not a it's not a thing it's not a committee and like that's how people talk about the NCAA that's how people talk about FIFA they talk about these entities but it's made up of member groups which is made up of the people that are all in those rooms and I mean to be quite honest right the 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 schools like you know an NC State that's gonna you know in in the situation with the AAU coach right now coming out I mean they were getting pimped out like the NC State was was getting like they were the pimps and hoes of the world. I mean, they were the hoe in that situation with the AAU. They were the middleman. They were getting pimped out by Adidas at this point. You know what I mean? And it, they're a part of the NCAA. These schools are all together on the same thing, and it's on the schools a little bit too to join together and say, "Hey, we want to band together and, and do something better and find a better system for this. We don't want to sit where we are because there, there's so many intellectual and, and intelligent people that are on all these campuses, these beautiful schools around our country. They could actually all get." together and figure out a better way to do this and a better way that makes everyone you know prosper in in the right capacity and in the right way but it just seems like people are fine and content to just continue to collect the check that's shocking it's shocking that the people in power that are making all the money and everything's fine and they get to make the decisions it's it's not it's not to keep the status quo. <laughs> it's not some group of like Bob Iger and, and, and all these rich, wealthy right. people that are making decisions on the NCAA. It is the member schools that are a part of a larger group that all have a say in this. And it, all it takes I is wanna, a few voices to, to really get things going. I want to reiterate, just in case people listening uh, are, are uh, I don't know. We, we do not want salaries. Trust no, me when I God, say no. you do not want salaries. We, even, we, even the if NBA the most, exists. We don't want the we don't want the NBA right. or the ABA. We we don't want the G League. We we want college it basketball. Be, There's I, a better way to do it. It's been done before. It was done before 2005. Perfectly. Well, not perfectly, but you know, it was done. <laughs> not perfectly, but it was done. Um. So yeah, the 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 commission. Uh, we yeah, we didn't even talk about the one and done thing. How they want to get rid of the one and done is silver. Like I, I feel like the one and done thing. First of all, it's it's it, it pisses me off how college basketball keeps getting tagged with the one and done yes. thing, as though college basketball has anything to do with any of this. You know, like the the, the the people in college basketball, I'm sure they could they could probably fight it a little more than they are, but uh, it's not. It was never a college basketball decision. This was an NBA decision. But secondly, the other frustration is that I feel like the one and, we've been talking about getting rid of one and done rule for. Eight, eight years now? How long has the one and done been in play? Eleven. This was the eleventh year, I think. Yeah, so, so yeah, I think yeah, for two thousand six for ten years. I, I think I think for ten years then <laughs> we've been talking about let's get rid of this rule. This sucks. This isn't actually good. Um, to which I say like I think the one and done thing. I I obviously having good players there is awesome. Uh, getting more talent to come to college basketball is awesome. Um, I do subscribe to the theory though that I want people there that want to be there. And yes. like the ben, ben Simmons is the most obvious example of a one-and-done guy who pretty obviously did not want to be in college basketball. And I guess the counter to that is the Kentucky guys, uh, Fox and Monk, or was it Autobio? Or was it all of them? I don't it remember. It was Fox, Monk, and all of them. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. 
The counter to that is those guys who was like, they obviously really, really care. But even those guys, you hold a gun to their head and and they're in the middle, they're playing they're playing in Oxford, Mississippi in, in the middle of January and you hold a gun to their head and you're like, would you rather be doing this or in the NBA? They'd be like, oh my God, NBA, are you kidding me? Like every, even those guys like to a small extent don't want to be there. Like they're ha- like if this is what it is, they're happy to be there. And they're, they're, I'm not saying they didn't want to play for Kentucky or anything like that. But um, to that point, I say like, I, I, am, I, I do want to get rid of the one and done thing. But Tate, are we, are we any closer to this? Because all they do is like they, every commission comes out, they talk about this. I see Adam Silver... At least four times a year, there's a headline tweeted like Woj tweets a headline: Adam Silver seriously considering getting rid of NBA, the one and done thing by 2029. The NBA figures to have this thing <laughs> figured out. But but um, it's I don't it's, know. The, it's the perfect example where the NBA is do, doing exactly what the NCAA is, is perpetrating too with these TV contracts, where they're using these college schools as a, a filler. I mean, it, it takes some of the the problems out of their hand. They get a free one year look at all these players that they want to bring into their league. It's like a free one year free for all recruitment period for them to see what guys fit, what guys would be good in the NBA for them. And right? They, why would you want to change something where you had the upper hand in the situation? I mean, sure, you may do it out of charity. Sure, you may do it because you believe in some sort of greater good. But a lot of times, you need some some incentive behind it and and, and some real exactly, discussion. This is the crux of the problem with everything. Is that is this the only the only people in this entire enterprise, starting from high school AAU shoe company, get their hands on these kids. They they move them on to college. They. Like you said, they're they're pimping them out. It's all a that conveyor kind of stuff. belt. It's a conveyor the, belt to the top. That whole enterprise from like basically eighth grade to like the time you're 25 and you're winning MVPs. The only people who are really getting fucked in this process are the players, and everyone else. Everyone else in this enterprise in the system has found a way to get their cut to to get what they need out of all of this, and they're they're fat and happy and everything's great. They're not going to be the ones who change it. The, the, the people that are going to change it are the the players themselves. But the problem with that is that you have these players who, in, in basketball, they're there for a year and they leave. In football, they're there for three years. Even if they're there for four years, that's not enough time. Like by the time, by the time you're a senior, you're almost just like, ah, eh, screw it, I'm almost out of here anyway. Like, do I really want to devote my time to to fighting this? I mean, I know the Northwestern football people did, and they just kind of got stomped, and then that was the end of that. And I haven't really heard much else. But like, that's kind of what it takes is like players banding together and the people the adults in this system not to say that the not to say that college athletes aren't adults because they are but you know what i'm saying here uh the people that are that are making all the money off of this they're they're not going to stop anything and, and it's the, the i don't know i don't know and I'm it's frustrated and it's un, and it's unfair to put it on the players too it, it, it's just like we said it's a cycle it's a circle we keep coming back to the same exact points and i think what you were saying where you know you're you're not saying anything unique i think that is the the important thing to focus on here yeah. is that we all have come to it seems like most people have come to whether they agree that people should be paid or not they've come to the idea that what is going on right now is not healthy for the game of college basketball and there needs, needs to be something that needs but, to be done once the fbi gets involved i mean everything opens up and all the doors are open and everyone wants to see everything that's going on and we have to figure out what 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 you want to do i mean do you want to keep it like it is and and see what happens and certain people will get punished and and we'll move on and do the whole thing or do you really want to do a a massive overhaul of what what this 112 year old system is but that's i think that's what my frustration is and why i i because i feel like we have this conversation all the time and and we're going to have it again and this is just going to continue I'm going to be 90 years old on my deathbed and there's going to be a report out that's like 
the new some guy is is heading a committee to fix college basketball, and this time we mean it. And it's just it, it's the same conversation over and over. And until someone's like, and, and that's that's to me that until this Condoleezza Rice thing, unless they come out and they're like, all right, we're going to figure out a way to pay players, then literally everything else you say is irrelevant because you're just going to have the same problems. It's going to keep going. And until someone comes out and is like, all right, we mean it this time. We're paying the players. Then it's just going to keep going. So yeah, I, I, yeah, that's why I don't think the one and done thing's going anywhere anytime soon. Even though people keep saying it, like the NBA doesn't really have an incentive to stop that. Um, certainly, all the other stuff is not going to happen. Like the the shoe companies, hey, shoe companies, stop doing this. Stop, stop profiting and making a ton <laughs> of money. <laughs> stop doing that. Uh, I don't know. So. Basically, that's a long way of saying it was a colossal waste of time, and you and I need to figure out a way to get on one of these committees, tape. And I think because, I think we've come up with the best idea to get our way onto one of these committees, Mark Titus, and I think you have the greatest pitch that we've heard oh, this yeah. entire summer. And this is our way to get into this world. You, you know, we're 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 sitting up here, we're 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 casting stones, and we're not in it, and we need a way to get in it. And please let the people know how we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to get in it, Tate. Um, I teased this on the last pod, but this time I'm ready to, to make it official. I had to I had to talk to my lawyers, my agents, um, kind of just get my affairs all in order before I before I went public with this. I did tease it on the last pod though. I I am going. I you were talking to the next head basketball coach at Chicago State University. Uh, I I'm doing it. I'm throwing my hat into the ring. Um, this is an exciting opportunity. And I'm going to tell you why I think I have a shot here. And I'm, and, and for those of you who who have no idea what's going on with Chicago State. Let me entertain you. Let me let me give you the rundown of what what is going on. First of all, their their head basketball coach Tracy Dildy, who I I didn't know that was his real name until Tate you brought it up to me. When AKA, I, th- I think I, it was the North. It was Dildy Baggins. Dildy Baggins. <laughs> Dildy Baggins. Uh, it, when when Northwestern was beating them like fifty five to nine at halftime or something like that. I think that's when we first started talking that, about Chicago. That's State. when Chris Collins um, came back for the fourth time that season. Yeah. And that's when, yeah, the the Northwestern was, yes, yes. <laughs> All the Northwestern alums were like, oh, shoot, we're back. Yeah, yes. We got it. We're doing it again. Going back to the tournament this year. Um, so he, he was the interim athletic director and the head basketball coach. He gets fired. Uh, he was fired, Tate, on March 12th. It is now May 1st. Mm. Chicago State still does not have a, a basketball coach. They just hired an athletic director today. They hired a guy named Chris Zorich who uh, played – Football at Notre Dame was like a great defensive lineman at Notre Dame in the late 80s, uh, early 90s, I think. And then played for the Bears. Um, he just got hired as an athletic director today. I'm going to continue kissing his ass and 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 sucking up to him and saying, please hire me. But anyway, he 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 gets hired today. So they they now have an athletic director. But the school itself is in disarray. Um, the, the, the budget, from everything I've seen... Like the school's budget is a complete disaster. They th- there's talks of like maybe they're going to get rid of sports altogether. Maybe they're just going to get rid of some sports. They there's the chief administrative officer was fired in January because in his contract it said he had to like he had to basically do his job into to like I think in the middle of the summer or something. But then someone caught someone at the school caught wind that he was planning an exit strategy so he could run for mayor of Chicago, <laughs> and so they just fired him. The Rahm Emanuel, beautiful. Just, yes. Uh, Chicago State's basketball program has has averaged seven wins per season, seven total wins. That's not conference wins. Seven total wins per season over the last nine years. They have won twenty one games in the last four years combined. Um, it, it, it's 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 my way of saying this program is probably the worst in Division One. Uh, I I don't think anyone's really going to sign up to take this job. 
except for me. I'm here to save the day. This is a great opportunity. And I, I don't know what else to say. Like this is, this is, I, I am the man for this job. I will take, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put my platform out there, Tate. I'm going to give the people an idea of what they can expect from me. Please. So, so Dildy was getting paid 150 grand. I, I searched the Chicago State can, database. Can I can I give you can I give you one Tracy Dildy tidbit before we get into the pitch? I will Please say do. This, this is how Tracy Dildy described his own program, folks. This is last season when he was quoted. He said, "We get the ones nobody else wanted. We're like Last Chance University on Netflix." Yeah. So so my guy yeah. has my guy has two jobs and he's still watching Last Chance U on Netflix. So we can do better than that. So continue your pitch. Well, yeah, this is this is the point. Is that uh, Chicago State's in a very bad spot? They are in desperate times, and uh, you know I've, that's what I've been known for. I'm I'm the guy who's here when when people are desperate, they know who to call. <laughs> You're the, the man, the, the, the man with no the man with no self respect. Um, so here's the thing: Dildy was making 150 grand last year, according to the to the public database, Chicago State. I will take this job, Tate, for a hundred thousand dollars. We're talking about a school with with budget problems. This is not an athletic budget problem this is the entire school has budget problems they need more money they, they, they need almost, to find a way to for people that don't know they almost folded two years ago uh they, the future yes. of the school was in doubt because of, of like some sort of state budget problem where the government funding didn't come to the school so that, that's what we're dealing with here at chicago state um before so, titus yeah it, it, so they're they're paying their coach one hundred fifty thousand last year. I will take this job for a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, that's that's the salary I'm commanding. So right there, we're already saving fifty thousand dollars. Boom. I will then, but it gets better. I will then take half of my salary, which is fifty thousand dollars. I will donate it to. I've already been looking up these charities. I will donate it to 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 Southside Chicago charities. I've been looking up a handful of them. Um, I, I, I have to figure out, I'll talk to the people. I might, I'm going to get my hands dirty, get in the community, see which charities resonate with the people the most. But I will donate $50,000 of my salary, half of my salary, to the local charities. Uh, or if that doesn't work out, like even even if that's not saving enough money, I will just start a GoFundMe page. I will say, I will say, friends of the program that listen to the pod, please just donate to, to the GoFundMe and I will take fifty grand of whatever we raise for the GoFundMe, just just for my trouble, just because I gotta live. I'm a man. I got mouths to feed, you know. Mm-hmm. I got I got things. I got bills to pay. I'll take fifty grand for myself, and every dime over that we raise on the GoFundMe, I will donate that to the to the Chicago charities. Okay, perfect. I will alternatively, or uh, additionally, I mean, when I, I'm gonna write a book about my my coaching experience. Obviously, that's what I do. I'm a writer. Read my work on theRinger.com. Um. When I write the book, I'm going to take 50 grand again of whatever I make off the book. Every dime You're above slowly 50 turning grand, into donated. the NCAA right now. <laughs> I got to get my cut, dude. What do you want me to do? I'm putting work in here. Holy shit. Continue, I'm going to take continue. 50 grand of my book sales and I'm going to donate the rest of the proceeds to charity in oh, Chicago, nice. into the nice. community. Yeah. And then when when they make a movie about this, I will I will give 15% of my movie rights to charities in Chicago. That's the pitch. So basically, I'm saving money for the school, which is in, in a desperate time right now, needs to save a lot of money. I'm helping the South Side of Chicago. I'm going to donate a shit ton of, at least, at the very least, $50,000, probably more than that, um, to, to charities in the South Side of Chicago. And on top of all that, Tate, I want the job. And I think that is like, that is the hardest hurdle to jump right now with Chicago State, is finding somebody who actually wants the job, who knows anything about basketball. I am very smart. I went to the final four. I don't know if I've talked about that before. I've played in a final four or I've, I've warmed up in a final four. Um, and that's it. That's the pitch. So Chicago state, make the call. You know where to find me slide into the one shiny pod DMS. I'll be there waiting. 
And I will be waiting there as the associate head coach. Uh, we have to figure out what, yeah. what, what our roles are. We're, we're trying to figure out a staff right now. Uh, I, I am your number two. I will not probably be present at most games. Uh, for people that don't know, uh, Chicago State is a commuter school. Um, I'm going to give you some facts about Chicago State. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, do the recruiting. Hold on, you're, hold on. You're the ba- you're going to be the bag dropper in this in this outfit, right? Yes. You're my as my associate head coach. You are going to be the the head bag dropper, um, which means you're the you're the recruiting guru. So go ahead. The, the floor is yours, Tate. Recruit recruit to the people to, the, to Chicago State. Go. Look, we're trying to build camaraderie on campus, right? We're a commuter school. We're trying to figure out what the plan is. Uh, you know, Chicago State students, they're around 28 years old, Mark Titus. So if you're if you're trying to find your like second college experience, you're, you're, you're having a good time, you're at 24 and you're like, man, I wish I would have stayed in college. Chicago State is a school for you. Two thirds of, yep. of the student body, women. I don't know if you've heard about this. Uh, you know, that's good for recruiting. Wait, wait, hold on. Two so you're thirds. You're telling me two thirds are women? And 28. I like those odds, Tate. And 28. Uh, I'm and gonna, tw- so so uh, they got their shit together. So they're women that don't have like drama. They, they, they're a little older. They're not like the 19 year olds that have like all the shit no. going on. Like these are, these are little older women that kind of have their, yeah. Okay. Yeah, continue. They, they have their life together. Uh, I will probably not bring up the fact that nearly half are parents, but you know, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, Chicago state is the last shot that you're going to have at your four year college degree folks. That's all I can say. And we have a staff that we're trying to put together. Uh, I am associate head coach right next to you making a, a clean 48000 that I will not donate to anyone because I need all that to live in Chicago, <laughs> uh, which yeah, I'm happy I about. I looked up the... I was pitching this to Tate, and then I looked up the salaries for the assistant coaches, and it was 48000 I, I think Tate was much more excited at the prospect of being a Division One head coach, and then when I told him, you'll make about $48,000 a year, he was like, it's all right because we're going to be doing the podcast the whole time and that like you know how they used to do fireside chats to try to talk directly to the people this podcast will become an adidas sponsored podcast i will only talk to athletes about how great adidas is how much i want people to come and play for the great adidas school first i have to find a deal with adidas and you know call some people make some calls we're going to make that happen uh associate to the head coach uh is, is my first call and it's because we can't have him officially on staff, so that's why he's associate to the head coach. But he's basically number two in command, and it's going to be Larry Brown. I, we got to get Larry Brown on Ooh, staff. I like that. We, you know, he doesn't go to Memphis. Penny misses out on him, uh, out on him, and and it's our time to bring him in. We need Larry, and then our, our number three or number four in command, depending so hold on, on what. Explain explain Larry's role to me. So he's not going to be officially on staff, right? He's going to be like Gene Cady was for Steve Lavin uh, at that the end of Steve Lavin's St. John's run, where. I always bring that up, but it was just hilarious to me. Every time they'd show St. John's bitch, like Steve, or, uh, Gene Cady would be like two rows behind. Yeah, basically, it's it's called shadow coaching. Uh, it, it's what uh, yeah. it's what Mitch Kupchak did at all the Carolina games this year. He just sits like four rows back from Roy <laughs> and like acts as if he's the head coach, like tries to relive some of those moments. So we're gonna have Larry. Larry's on basically for pure for the love of the game. That's why we have to have Larry Brown. Okay. This isn't about bag dropping. I know a lot of people have these, the you know, these misconceptions about Larry Brown. Larry Brown loves basketball. He doesn't care who it is. He just wants to be around the game. He wants to throw a basketball at somebody. He wants to run sets. He wants to run suicides. He wants to do all that sort of stuff. So we're gonna have Larry there at practice in an unofficial capacity. Unofficial, but unofficial. He's not. He's not on the books. No. Yeah, okay. But associate to the head coach is his title when, when we talk to them. You know, because he just need to have coach in his title. Uh, the number three guy we're gonna call up is is our own three on three partner. Robbie Hummel, uh, Purdue legend, yep. a man that lives in Chicago already, that already has a, a normal day job. So we just give him a title and, and maybe a salary to come to like what, like one or two practices a year, something like that. 
Yeah, that's all. That's all we need. We just need him to to pop in and uh, yeah, run scout team every so often. And, we, and we we basically give him the Kentucky Drake contract. He he's our star that exactly. we bring in and uh, and we see what he can do, um, which would be nice for us. One of the one of the I other have, na- who do you have? I, I have a sleeper well, pick my, at the end that I'm going to bring in. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. Give, give give me give me your sleeper pick. You want me to go? My my sleeper pick is Craig Hodges. Right? People forget Craig mm. Hodges played for the Chicago Bulls, a man that won three three-point contests in a row, 1990, 1991, 1992. I think the only other person to do that was Larry Bird. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, Craig Hodges coached at Chicago State University from 1994 to 1996, and he was fired in 1996 because he only won eight games. He won eight games and lost 51 games in two seasons. He coached the Westchester Knicks. He obviously was assistant coach out in L.A. We bring Craig Hodges back. We get him, you know, some clout again. We have some people around the program. And we become the warriors of D3 basketball. We just start shooting threes from everywhere. We don't take twos. We only shoot threes. Craig Hodges. I'm sorry, did you say D3? I think we're going to fall back. I'm scared we're going to fall back once (laughs) this happens. No, dude. Hold on. Hold on. Do do I got to make some coaches? Am I going (laughs) to... Do we have turmoil within our staff? No, I, I, like, I are you saying we're going D three? That's not the plan, Tate. I'm the trying plan, to win. The plan I'm trying is to, to win, win the goddamn national championship. I got I got Tracy Dilty wearing a collegeinsiders.com championship ring on his thumb. You know, dur- during games last year, and, and we we got to up this up. We got to go back to winning championships. So we bring in Hodges. We see what we can do. Okay, uh, and that that that's my major pitch. And then you have some more names to throw in. Well, I like I like Hodges. Um, the the one the one name that jumps out to me is Thad Mata because he's. He's my guy. Uh, he, he's living in Indianapolis already. It's close enough to Chicago. Close it's, enough. It's a suburb of Chicago, basically. 20-minute drive. Yeah, 20 minutes. Um, he's rich as shit already, mm-hmm. so he doesn't really need the money. I'll convince him to work for free, and we can take the, the, sal- the money we save on salary. Boom. I just saved the university even more money. So there you go. That's part of the pitch. Uh, I think I think we got to get Patino on staff in some capacity. I think maybe a com- compliance liaison. Ooh. Maybe the director of operations, something yes. like that. Like definitely, he's the compliant. guy that makes sure we're yes, because he's because he's he's never done anything wrong. Um, we know this. He's said so in front of a camera many times that he always follows the rules and has no idea uh, that that stuff's going on. So it, it'll be good to put him in a position of power where now he can finally oversee kind of you know because before all the other stops he's had, he's never really had enough power to kind of stop the corruption going on in his program. Um, so now I'll give him I'll give him something like that. And then the last thing is I think producer Kyle. We have to hire him yes. as our head manager. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. How do you feel about that, Kyle? Head Dude, manager? I did not think I was gonna make the cut. A lot of, so l- lot of drinks producer or? Kyle. Spike the Gatorade. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, say? spike the Gatorade. Yeah. Yeah. Find someone to clean every it's, you know, everyone's stuff, everyone's jerseys, make sure everything it, looks nice. It's an it's an unpaid it's an unpaid position, yeah. but we you you will get valuable experience. Oh, we'll and, still do the podcast. Uh, that's, though, that's, so, that's, yeah, I'll be good. Yeah. And you'll we'll still do the podcast. So that's the pitch. We're coming to <laughs> to Chicago State. I the the other thing you're asking yourself, you're listening to this, you're like, but but speak to me about the style. What are you gonna do with the program? Um all We're of that is threes. fine and well, but that's <laughs> But that's a little self-serving, isn't it? it you're, all you're doing is just talking about yourself and 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 all the money you're going to make and all this sort of stuff. What are you going to give us, the fans of Chicago State, the Cougars fans? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to give you. We are going to play the most exciting brand of basketball that basketball has ever known. Um, whatever whatever comes to mind when I say that, that's exactly what it is. Uh, I'm not going to. I'm I'm, I'm going to do a Trump move and and not necessarily explain what I mean by that. I'm just no. going to say it's the most exciting brand of basketball you've ever seen. Leave it up for interpretation. Uh, basically, like, if the Warriors or if the Warriors had LeBron and also played, like, the Rockets 
and um, also like Villanova as well. Like mm-hmm. put all of those together. Now that'll probably be us. Uh, we are going to have a celebrity rotate. There's going to be we, we are we are determined to take over the city of Chicago. This is going to be our pitch. We as D- Tracy Dilty himself said. They basically only could recruit Chicago kids because they didn't have a, a huge recruiting budget. They have no national recruiting by me. budget. Yeah, it's fine. We're staying. That's fine home. by me. I don't need a national. You could give me. You could give me a billion dollars in recruiting budget to recruit whoever I wanted. And guess what? I'm sticking with Chicago because, as we've said before, you just lock down Chicago. You're set. So I'm going to be bringing in the Anthony Davises, the Derrick Roses, uh, the Isaiah Thomases, like all these guys that come out of Jabari Parkers, all these guys that come out of Chicago. That's us. Chicago State. I don't know if you're aware of this, Tate. It's like three blocks away from Simeon High School. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we're set there. We're uh, we're just going to commit to the Chicago thing. We're going to have the front row of our our uh, arena. We're going to we're going to reserve the seats for Chicago celebrities. Any Chicago celebrity that wants to come in, free admission. Come sit front row. Except Evan Turner, you're not invited. We'll, we'll have a very hard, firm no Evan Turner policy. Um, which, by the way, I was looking up famous basketball players from Chicago on Wikipedia, and uh, Evan Turner's not mentioned. And I was laughing. I must have laughed for ten straight minutes. It was so funny. <laughs> I love that it it's awesome. quantified as my famous. Day. That's great. That's perfect. Yeah, any famous... So, I mean, just picture this. Like, you're, we're playing exciting brands of basketball. We have Kanye. We have Oprah. We have the Obamas. We have Bill Murray sitting courtside at our games mm-hmm. as as we are playing the most exciting brand of basketball possible. Um, and you're saying, all that's all that's great, but are you actually going to win games? Because, you know, all, all you're really doing is is you're making... The, you're selling us this pipe dream. And that's where this comes in, Tate. If we do not have a winning season, if we do not finish 500 or better, I will resign immediately after the season is over. So there you have it. It's it, there's no stakes. There's there's no gamble whatsoever. You, you you give me one year, either I deliver a winning season and save the university a ton of money and also donate a ton of money to charity, or if I don't have a winning season, you fire me and guess what? We still save the university money and donate a ton of money to charity. What's the downside? There, there is none. There is no downside. And I will say, uh, just putting it out there, we do need bad guys and we need fall guys. We need lots and lots of fall guys on my staff. We need anyone that will fall on the sword uh, you know, at any time, depending on who's picking up the phone calls, who has the expense reports, whatever yep. it takes. We need as many fall guys as possible. So all the friends of the program, if you want to be a fall guy, Please reach out to us. We're we're totally down for that. We need all the help we can get. I gotta say, this is bulletproof. That's it. Please please reach out to uh you know uh Chris Zorich. He I it, as far as I understand, he does have a Twitter account. Um, I'm I'm not gonna tell you what his Twitter account is. That would be I think that would be abusive. That would be abuse of my power. Um, I I don't necessarily want to do that. I'm not trying to attack the guy and and overwhelm him with, you know, people saying you should hire Tate and I to be the coaches there. I, that's not what I want. But you know, if it happens. I, can't, I certainly can't stop it, Tate. I can't I stop it. So. I can't stop it either. I just know that he's a second round pick and, and is a legend in the football circles. So I really respect him a lot. I love him. I've I've been I've been a huge fan of his his entire career. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to work with him. It'll be fun. <laughs> We're bringing make Chicago State again. That is our slogan. Yes. We're bringing it back. We're bringing the Cougars basketball back. We are we are going to be the first. Division one team from Chicago to ever make the Final Four, Tate. It's never happened before. Mm-hmm. We are going to do it. I, th- I think. I, th- I don't know if that's right or not. That, does that sound right? That sounds right. And I also I promise. Remember. I promise at some point, I, the halftime act I will be taking care of. We will have a live Cougar at one of these games. I don't know what game, but there will <laughs> yes. be a live Cougar show, um, and it will probably fight the mascot of the other team. And uh, I will hope it will be the Wildcats because we will have Cougars versus Wildcats live action, live cats. That is your live performance. I cannot wait. 
That's so, it. That's the pitch. I'm my pitch in a nutshell. I will save Chicago State probably a hundred thousand dollars at least. <laughs> I will then donate a shit ton of money, at least fifty thousand dollars, probably more than that, probably closer to a hundred thousand dollars to Chicago's charities, specifically the Southside charities. That's where Chicago State's located. Mm-hmm. Got to got to look out for the Southsiders. Southside. Um, I will. We we will do the podcast all year. We will we will become media darlings. Like the, the the interest in Chicago State basketball will be absolutely through the roof. It'll be unprecedented how many people will care about Chicago State basketball. Um, and and we'll obviously there's there's a zero percent chance that we don't make more money for the program than we, than they've already made. So, <laughs> and and on top of all that, we're gonna have a winning season or I I walk and that's it. That's mm-hmm. the pitch. I don't understand how you could possibly say no to this. Uh, but I'm excited. We will we will update the friends of the program as we get more information. I will I will come on here and kind of give the updates, you know, the conversations I'm having, the the interviews I'm going to, all that sort of stuff. The plane tracker, I know that's a big <laughs> thing. I don't want people to be tracking my private jets mm-hmm. to and from Chicago. I'll just straight up tell you guys when I'm flying. Well, transparency. We value transparency, Tate. So, yeah, uh, no Dan Gilbert's here. That's it. Make Chicago State again. That's all. That's all we got. Anything else before we go? Uh, no, make, make Chicago State again. I will say, uh, congratulations to the Capel family. I saw it's, it's official assistant coach, Jason Capel. So you got two Capels at Pittsburgh. Congratulations to the Pittsburgh basketball program. Uh, it's going to be a fun ride. I cannot wait. I want to say, I got a few other things to say. One, Mike Dom is coming back to South Dakota State. He, uh, declared for the NBA draft. The NBA was like, nah, I don't think so. I I don't understand (laughs) why he decided he's coming back already. That must mean he didn't get invited to the combine and stuff. All that kind of stuff, but uh, I don't know. He's back. He's back, Tate. The Dominator. Mike Dom. Um, also, Villanova. Uh, ca- I caused a little bit of a ruckus when I when I tweeted this, but uh, I saw Villanova, the official Villanova Twitter account from inside the program. The tweet is coming from inside the program. Said that Mikhail Bridges was named Villanova's MVP this year, Tate. Huh. Interesting. Mm. Funny how mm. that works out. Well, it's if only there was. It, it, it's the right answer, uh, not Jalen Brunson. It's still the right answer. Yeah, not Jalen Brunson. That's yeah. so weird. I was told, it's funny how we were told all year how wrong we were for saying Bridges was better. And then the Villanova, the team themselves, said Mikel Bridges was better. So that mm. was interesting. Very interesting. And then last but not least, uh, I said on the podcast last week that Riff Raff and Mac McClung were cousins. Apparently that's not true at all. <laughs> but that's not your fault. That's excellence in journalism. That was reported by a, a bunch of different places. So uh, Mac McClung, yeah, we have a, it's actually good for him very, to be related to Riff Raff, like tangentially, not actually, but tangentially. That, that's not a bad look for him. We have a very early nominee for excellence in journalism, Dundee, at the next, or did I say Dundee? I yes, meant Duffy. <laughs> Dundee. Both. Uh same thing. Uh, at, at the next at next year's Duffy's, we have a very early nominee, and all the people that reported that Riff Raff and Mac McClung were cousins. Apparently, that's not actually true, but um, I've been swindled. I got one what? more thing before we get out of here. Uh, I just want to say this: Don Nelson, and Willie Nelson, and Woody Harrelson, and Owen Wilson all play p- play poker and smoke pot together. That's my final thought. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened to humankind. If you're getting down on your day, and you're like, it's Tuesday, I'm not having a good time, just know that those four human beings are having a great time and enjoying life. That's all I got. Don Nelson, Willie Willie Nelson, no yes. relation. Two Nelsons, not related, no. Two legends. Uh, Woody Harrelson, and who else? Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Wow. All their, all their names wow. kind of sound the wow. same, by the way. Wow. 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 They all sound the same. Wow. They are all legends in their own right, and they all play <laughs> poker together. 
It's a beautiful story. How did you find that out? It's in the New York Times. Don Nelson, uh, one of my favorite NBA <laughs> head coaches. It's Larry Brown, Don Nelson, George Carl. Those are my my big three NBA coaches that I love, uh, no matter what you say. And I, I just love reading this story. And and good for Willie Nelson. He's just everywhere still. It's great. That's that's my goal with the pilot. I I just I don't know. That's my life goal. We're gonna we're gonna make this happen with the Chicago State thing. I just want to make us famous enough celebrities, Tate, that we can be included in these like poker pot things and like that's our job <laughs> now it's just like we hang out with celebs and smoke weed and play poker with them and and don't and don't talk about for. it on the podcast and ever we just only talk about chicago and we State. don't ever talk about it yeah <laughs> and we just kind of like we kind of like hint at it like 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 we did with the uh stories from san antonio mm-hmm. where it was like yeah man we we went out and grabbed drinks with matt farrell and he was telling eh, well i guess we can't really say yeah and then we just do that with <laughs> every story is just uh we're just kind of bragging about how famous we are that we get to smoke food with these guys. <laughs> Fun times. I'm just kidding. Mom, dad, I'm kidding. I yeah, don't I'm smoke kidding marijuana. too, Mom. It's illegal. We don't do that yet. It's illegal. Yeah. It's illegal. I wouldn't I wouldn't dare do Not that. Not in my state, uh, though. All right. That's the podcast. We'll be back. Watch, watch the playoffs this week, Tate. I know you, you get so focused on college basketball that I, I have to remind you, the NBA playoffs are going on. Um, watch that. Let's talk about that next week. Let's do I, it. I, I'm, I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts because I think I'm writing – for this week, for the Ringer, I'm writing an the, article about the Rockets because. Uh, oh, I thought you were writing about the Pacers. What happened to the Pacers? The Pacers. <laughs> about my that, about my two teams. Yeah, your favorite team, the Pacers. Uh, what happened to them? That's what I want. My my two. I gonna, I'm gonna have Pacers, to send, I'm gonna my, have to send an email and circle back on this and and see if you can write about the Pacers. Listen, my my Pacers took took a tough loss, but my Cavaliers were looking good. Uh, my my Celtics and my 76ers are looking good as well, and my Warriors <laughs> and Rockets are playing well. So I'm very excited about where these playoffs are headed. Um. But no, I, 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 I want to talk about the playoffs because I have a lot of thoughts on the Rockets, like their style of basketball and do we like it? Is it good? Is it fun? Um, I'm I'm kind of like, I'm torn because it is like the most fun thing in the world, but it's also like, it's just shocking. Like to watch, when you watch college basketball all year and then you watch any NBA game, it's like shocking to see how different of a sport it is. Mm-hmm. But then you watch the Rockets and you're like, what what is this? What is this that you're doing? <laughs> It's 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 absurd watching the Rockets. So it really um, is. I don't know. Watch the playoffs. We'll talk about it next week and, and some other stuff. What I'm, I'm sure there'll be shit that happens in college basketball world that we'll talk about, and we'll keep you posted. Make Chicago State again. That's the pitch. Start the campaign. Use the hashtag. We're doing it. Make Chicago State again. Save the crew.